0: Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or jailbird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractalude on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The, one the intro music is the copyright Angus, can be found to at Jamendo.com. The transition your host, Albert, the and is music is Duche Pancaldi, whose page Little is at DonPakaldi.com. The One Pair Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons Share of Like. Hi, Marsons. Julius. Thanks. Hello, Albert.
1: <laughs> How's it going?
0: I'm doing quite well, and you, sir? I'm doing
1: well. It's a busy time of the year. It is May. It is International Solitaire Gaming Month. Huzzah! Uh, <laughs> That's good because I have not had much time for solitaire gaming lately, honestly. So maybe, maybe I'll have more this time. No, I seriously doubt it. I've been so busy. Yeah, and I I shouldn't be admitting this on a podcast about solitaire gaming, should I? But I've been so busy. It's just so, so busy lately with life.
0: Well, I don't see why you're not allowed to admit to being busy (laughs) on a solitaire. I mean, does it have anything to do with being solitaire or something like that? (laughs) No. Well, I mean. Why can't you admit to being busy? What? That that haven't had time to play games is what I can't admit to. But yes, no. I mean, that is one mm. of the
1: reasons people play solitaire games is they're too busy to social play, right?
0: As a matter of fact. Exactly. Too busy to get up. Yeah,
1: I haven't been to uh, a game night in about two or three months. Just haven't been able to. Nice. Mm. <laughs> Though we've been having fa- <laughs> what I've called Force Family Fun Night here at home. <laughs> and, and the name has stuck. Everybody likes it. And we play a game. What is that exactly? It's Forest Family Fun. We're going to play a game, darn it. Like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I see. And so like tonight, my son said, can we have four Family Fun night? I said, yeah, maybe. But we didn't get around to it.
0: <laughs> well, that didn't work very well. It
1: did it, But, you know, he mentions it like at 830 and it's like bedtime almost. It's like, um, well, you should have said something instead of reading a book for two hours. Nice. <laughs> But yeah, um, so yeah, I've been busy, so like I guess I haven't been playing too much, but I did get a game I'm looking forward to playing, which is, uh, f- what is it, Four Against the Dark?
0: That is a game. Yes,
1: and I've got that, and I've I've read through it a little bit, it looks really neat, it looks like a nice, fun, simple dungeon-crawling game. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I got another game, Alone Against the Dark. Which, What's with you in Darkness? <laughs> I don't know. This is a, a it's a role playing game from Chaosium. It's a well it's not a game, it's a, an adventure for the their Call of Kazuhu game. It's an adventure that they published years years ago and has been out of print for a while, though I guess you could probably get it to Drive Through RPG. And they just released a print copy like last week or the week before. Uh to update it to the new edition of the role playing game. So I got that, looking forward to trying. It. It's really big for for a choose your own adventure style RPG.
0: Yeah, I see you just added a whole shopping list to our show notes here that you're <laughs> your Sentals so of the Multiverse oblivion's coming soon, Craft yeah. novels Adventures is coming soon, Renegade is almost here, Seventh Continent just got here.
1: Yep, Seventh Continent just got here also. I didn't know that one. Yeah, Renegade I just got an email that they shipped that Kickstarter. And that's from mm-hmm. Victory Point Games and I got e- email from, or an update from the Sentinels pot, uh, Kickstarter, and they said that Oblivion will probably be shipping around the end of May, maybe-ish. Or, or, or sometime in June, probably. Which is, you know, it's been two years in the making, so so it's about time. And then, uh, FanRider Games announced in their Kickstarter that the graphic novel adventures, you call that just ended about, what, two weeks ago? They'll be shipping, they'll, pro- they'll be receiving the like the fast shipment stuff probably next week from the sound of it to start shipping to to backers already you know weeks after the kickstarter ended and the the regular slow backers i think that ships probably in june early june maybe so probably by the end of june everybody should have it again super fast so i'm pretty excited about that so yeah a lot of stuff a lot of stuff Mm-hmm. The did you back
0: Seventh Continent also? I never, I never
1: back that one.
0: Uh, yeah, I did back that one, and my copy came in. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of days after it came in, um, before I've had a time, I've only played it for about forty five minutes so far. Um, but apparently, they put out a, a article where. They had some errors about the size of some of the cards and the back color on some of the cards. And so they put out that because of these errors that I'm not sure how many people they affect. I don't think that I have any major issues with it just based on the short amount of time that I've seen it. But they're going to be replacing a bunch of people. They're replacing everyone's cards if you ask for it during their second wave. Wow. Wow. Unclear to me, but if that's really what they're doing, wow.
1: Yeah. That that's <laughs> I, mean, actually... I suppose
0: I mean it, it that is what they said they'll do. We'll see what actually happens and what comes out, but that's impressive. Mm-hmm. That
1: that'd be impressive. That, and that, there's such a cost for that, something like that. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Especially for a game that is almost primarily cards to replace all the cards. I don't even understand how or what they're thinking they're doing. I don't think they would need to do all that.
1: Well, you know, I mean, they they think it's bad enough of a problem that they're jumping ahead and doing it and not waiting to get complaints from people, and that's pretty awesome from them. That's amazing. That's customer service before you even know you need customer service.
0: Yeah, I suppose, because I hadn't even had a chance to open up (laughs) my box before I was reading that piece of the news. I did see... If you're a backer, you're someone thinking about it. I did see on some of the blue cards, which is your action cards, that there is some color differentiation between them. And I'm just a second version backer, so I don't really know. Yeah, I, I'm not looking at it from the difference between first edition and second edition. Even just in the second edition, there is some difference between them. But I'm not gonna notice it while i'm playing i don't think i don't think it's gonna come up i just don't think i'm gonna see it i mean i'm more likely to you know fudge the actual game because i'm definitely the kind of person who plays these kind of adventure games who wants to see everything and go off everywhere and i totally understand how i'm not going i'm i'm gonna totally tank my game and some of the content if i play it like i regularly like i would want to, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. But anyway, that's a cool example of a good board game publisher. Have you heard about all this topic, the, all, all this uh, conversation about the bad board game publisher who stole the Nostromo game? No, I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, this was an interesting piece of news that came by that a French publisher had essentially lifted a nostromo game this is not a multi, this is not a solo game so but it's it was very interesting to me that they essentially just lifted the nostromo game that another designer had shown them a couple of years back in order to ask them if they to publish it so they turn them down but now a couple of years later they're popping back up with essentially the same game now trying to publish it and uh, it's just an entire oh. mess. Well, wow, yeah, that's and you know the
1: thing is, it's not against the law to do that, right? Because you can't, you can't copyright
0: right. it. But that is so shady. But it's definitely a good way to make the entire board game community come against you, mm-hmm. which they have. I mean, especially when at one point in time they were saying that they're taking screenshots of anyone who, you know, defames them or calls out against them, so that they can sue them. <laughs> <laughs> really? You're going to be suing like the entire board game community? Really? Uh,
1: it's a great way to make friends, isn't it? <laughs> Gosh. That's just insane.
0: One other piece of funny news just before we go on. Um, did you hear about My Little Scythe? I heard about that and I kind of don't
1: believe it. I mean, I, I know it's going to happen and it's real, but I don't <laughs> believe it. Because, <laughs> you know, it's just too cute.
0: So My Little Scythe is a... it's. <laughs> um, it's, i'm not gonna say miniature it's a lighter weight version of scythe that was designed originally as a print and play um, by a dad and his daughter actually and they were trying to retheme scythe with a my little ponies type theme and in order to make it lighter and easier for younger kids ages eight plus to be able to to get how to play it and they brought it out at gen con and we showing it around and Jamie Stegmaier apparently thought that was a pretty cool idea, picked it up, and he's now actually going to be publishing My Little Scythe. Now It doesn't have the original My Little Pony theme. They weren't able to get that theme to it, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what's the age range for this? Uh, ages 8+, plus. they're recommending plus. it. It's 1 to 6 players, so it's solo-friendly, 45 to 60 minutes. If you are the kind of person who thought that Scythe was too heavy or had too much stuff in it, you know, this this might be an interesting place to go take a look. I've heard a lot of people who are very interested in it, no matter what the age range. Beautifully designed, excellent board. Uh you get to go around and have pie fights instead of actually beating <laughs> up on people. Pie fights. Yeah. It's it's being so well the the level of components and quality that they're putting into this is just amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. And this is a it has an automatic also, I guess, by Morton. Just like the I believe so, yep. yes. And for comparison, you said this A-plus Scythe is 14-plus. So, yeah, it's mm. quite a bit easier in, in terms of complexity. Um, it, the box is probably going to be smaller, but, you know, looking at pictures, it's probably still going to be a huge game. <laughs> Not well, as huge, done...
0: but huge. Uh, by the way, the Atama for this one is automounty Automauty. Is, is the name of it. <laughs> That's too cute. The Atama for this it's game It's too cute to believe... But yeah, they're definitely trying to angle really hard to be very cute. It's it looks adorable. It looks just precious, and
1: yeah. Oh, Tantrum House I'm has a preview price. video of it. I know them. They're local to Greenville. I saw them at game day this Saturday.
0: Did you and if you did you play any games for International Tabletop Day? Just a second, oh, sure. let me answer that. And if you're interested in picking up a copy, uh, you can pre-order for forty four dollars for my little site as well.
1: Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, did you did you participate in t- International Tabletop Day? No, no. Okay, I went by the game store and I picked up a promo. They had some promos for Castle Panic, which I like so much. So I picked up
0: that up, but that was it. So shall we move on to Terraforming Mars, Albert?
1: Yeah. Do we have any other stuff we want to talk about? I noticed there's a couple of things in here. Uh, s-
0: maybe will back to that. Okay, thing. we'll see. I think we've had enough time chit-chatting. Let's go ahead and start talking about a game.
1: Yes, a specific game, a big game, a Martian game.
0: So, in terraforming Mars, the idea of the game is well you 're trying to terraform Mars. This is a generation spanning game. The idea of the game is it lasts over many, many years as you and the other players or you by yourself are attempting to terraform Mars by increasing the oxygen level, uh, adding water, things like that. When you take these actions that terraform mars you 're going to collect you 're going to gain TM points. You have a hand of cards that you're going to be collecting new cards every round, and these cards will generally give you actions, although you do have access to certain standard actions that you could take. They're slightly more expensive, but they're always going to be available for you to use them. Goal of the game is to collect the most points, or when you're playing solo, to go ahead, to manage to terraform Mars before your timer runs out. Do so, and you win. Mm-hmm.
1: And the, the game is published by Stronghold Games and designed by Jacob Frixelius.
0: So talking about the rules, I, in my opinion, the the rules are pretty well-designed. They do go through, they introduce the concept of the game, they have, you know, well-pictured, the graphics are well laid out. As with many games, again, I really would like there to be quick references, easy ways to find something specific. They have various bold sections but I keep referring back to things like Castle of Burgundy, that sort of thing, which has you know, sidebars saying, hey, this is what this one is all about. This is what this one is all about. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, I mean, otherwise, the rules are pretty good and nicely designed and easy to read. The It doesn't have, and speaking of the quick play summaries... Some of them that it doesn't have, the reason why it doesn't have those is really because it's listed on the board itself as well. So the standard action, things like that, those are listed on the on the board itself. At the end of the rulebook, it lists a number of different variants, and I'll probably get back to this later, but those are the variants about how to play the extended game and how to play with a draft and how to play with solo. Um... I kind of feel like those should not necessarily be considered variants. Those almost feel like they're a required thing to play in the game, but we'll, we'll definitely get back to them when we get to gameplay. Speaking in terms of the solo rules, I am amazed by the amount of people that, that have made an error on this one. I only didn't make an error about this because I had seen so many people posting about <laughs> it before I bought a copy of the game. The way you play the game solo is that you're going to have 14 rounds to play the game. But you're not limited to two actions on a round. You're limited to two actions on a turn. And you have any number of turns in a round. And when you're not waiting on anybody else, that means that really you have any number of actions on a a round. So it really probably would have been a good idea for them to have explained that very clearly. (laughs) They failed to do so. And I've seen so many people mess that up and become frustrated with the solo game. And as popular as this game is, That's a crying shame. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Because it really
1: is a nice game. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So that's speaking in terms of the rules. Albert, shall we move on to the theme? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Albert, you're a scientist. (laughs) I'm a programmer, which is the same thing. Right, that counts as science. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure you have like a science degree and stuff like that, don't you? Sure, yeah. (laughs) You like doing science, don't you? Uh, I've read
1: books by Arthur C. Clarke. That counts. 2001 A Space Odyssey?
0: It's not like a badge of something that you need to be able to get into the I Do Science Club you have to read books by Well,
1: I think that qualifies me as a scientist. Ah, I see. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Well, you could do more science stuff in Terraforming Mars. Yep, that's
1: right. (laughs) And it does feel like it, it feels realistic and believable, right? The science in here feels pretty cool.
0: Correct. It doesn't, you know, when I'm watching something like Star Wars, for example, it, it feels really like hand-wavy science. We're going to say some science bumbo-jumbo gibberish in order to be able to come up with whatever it is we can do this. It, it takes the idea of advanced science as magic to an extreme degree by essentially just making up magic and just saying, this is how this science works. With terraforming mars the theme feels very grounded the theme feels like it's real science to my understanding from a little bit of research on that i think the designers were trying to go for that as well they were trying to create a science that feels grounded that it feels like something that can actually happen imminently i mean not imminently like the next couple years but this is an actual project that mankind can start undergoing that we can start going through and trying to terraform mars so all the science feels very real because of that it doesn't ever feel like it's trying to teach me anything. I don't feel like I'm learning, well, if we were to terraform Mars, here's how we would likely do it. Because, you know, some of these are... are they they feel weird, like one about pets and things like mm-hmm. that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't feel like it's teaching me. Like, a Genius Games, for example. Many of their games, which I don't think they have anything solo, but many of their games, they're designed to really teach you about the science. Or... Academy games. They're trying to teach you about history. So this one doesn't really make me feel like I'm learning about the science going to Terraform Mars, but it doesn't make me feel like I'm actually doing it as opposed to magically doing it with whatever cards it is that comes up and all of a sudden, you know, we're creating pteromorphic ranger beams and things like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I really liked it. I, the game, and that, I think that's a lot of the fun of this game is it feels like you could. This is something that could actually happen. Some, like you said, soon, but not not imminently. Mm-hmm. It all feels which makes real. me feel more
0: grounded and relatable to my characters. I feel like I'm actually doing something, as opposed to it just being more fantastical.
1: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, it seems like sci-fi games are less popular than other themes. It's because a lot of times they just seem a, a little far fetched. And and this one is more believable,
0: and I think more accessible because of that. So that's talking about the theme, Albert. Mm-hmm. The components. I have a one-word summary. Oi. <laughs> Oi, it, it is yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there's a lots of isn't... love in the components, but there's a lots of not love.
0: Well, tell me about what you love in the components, Albert. I like
1: the design of it. The, the The layout, the board is well designed, and I like the the look of it. I think it 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 looks like a some sort of console or control panel, and I think it, it works pretty well.
0: That's for the board. The board, that's true. That's true. And the tiles that go on it also work really well. There's a good differentiation between the different types of tiles, the city tiles, the greenery tiles, the ocean tiles. The city and the greenery tiles are reversible, so you can go on it. The fact that you use colored cubes to indicate what's yours and what's not is a very easy way to be able to tell where where your cubes are without having to burden yourself with all sort of different colors of tiles. So I like how the board works. Mm-hmm. I personally also like how the board works in terms of presenting objectives, uh, presenting achievements. Um, I wish that for especially for the expansion once there's new ones. I wish there was a card that I could quick reference for what the you know English language version of those objectives and achievements were. But they're on the board, they're printed relatively clearly, and once you understand them, you know, it's pretty clear how all of those interact. All of the icons, all of the graphic design, and here I'm speaking specific about the graphic design, for me, all of it very quickly and easily conveys what it is that you're looking to do. I think that the style that they used for the cards with... The fact that since you have so many cards, you're really supposed to layer them all on top. So you create a big tableau of all the things that you have. The way they designed the cards makes it very easy for me to go ahead and see all of that. and makes it very easy for me to continue to place cards on top and build more onto my tableau. So all of that graphic design and the board elements all work really well for me.
1: mm mm-hmm, I agree. I agree. The iconography, like you said, it's clear to understand. At first, I think it's a little bit overwhelming, but that's true with any game, right? you got to learn their lang- that game's language. But once you get it, it is very consistent and very well done.
0: I think that there's only a couple, when we're talking about words and language, though, I think there's really only a couple words that are not apparent. And, you know, the, the fact that if it's on a gray border, that means that it's going to be production and not the resource itself is only the the one word, in my opinion, that was unclear. You have the red border, which comes up more infrequently, which means that you make somebody else lose it. But mm-hmm. for me, most of these other icons all appear somewhere on the board. And So when you see an icon, you can quickly look and, oh, it's right there. It's not abstract. It's that thing right there. Hmm. So I didn't even think it took too much language, except for that one thing about production.
1: Yeah. Now, did you, you learn the game on your own, or did you did somebody?
0: Else I did learn to? the game on my own. Okay. Well, define on your own. I learned my game with the help of the wonderful one-player guild. Okay. Okay. But because I had read much about the game both on the one-player guilds on the board game geek forums before I purchased a copy of it.
1: I see. So yeah. So you already yeah yeah I could see if you came and learned the game code with just straight from the rulebook. I think it'd be slow, hard process. In some because of the language, like the icons, and all, I think I don't think it. Let me let me let me take back what I said. I don't think it'll be hard, but I think it'll take a little while. It looks like I it think didn't.
0: it took me more time to become familiar with all the cards because your real success yeah. in the game requires that you be familiar in all of them, and so for me that's what took the time—not learning—not learning the language. Okay, but anyway, all that is talking about the graphic design. Allow me to talk about some things that. We're not as good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, The graphic design is great. The card art style is inconsistent. That sometimes it's a drawing, sometimes it's a space picture, sometimes it's, you know, an art piece or something else like that. Yeah. I'm not it quite feels, sure what they were doing with that.
1: It feels like a print and play in that sense, doesn't it? Right. Like somebody just found different arts here and there and put it together and and is what they came up with.
0: And I mean, it doesn't bother me personally greatly. It just is like, why did they do that?
1: Yeah, I would not call it distracting. I mean, at first, when you first look and say, huh, that's, that's weird. But once you start getting into the game, it doesn't distract from it, really. Yeah. I don't think so.
0: Another one that comes up for me, and this does bug me, is that the metal cubes, you have your own personal color cubes that track your player stuff, but you have these fake metallic cubes that you use for tracking your money or your resources or things like that. I don't know if cubes are cheaper than chipboard, but many other games use chipboard to track things like money or points or things like that, and they elected to use cubes for this game. I don't like that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for me, those cubes chip, and the more times I play this game, the worse those cubes start to look. And I'm glad nobody else has picked up these cubes as being a great idea, because I just don't think they look very good. And and the, it bothers me. These are the cubes that it.
1: move up and down on the tracks, right? are we talking about?
0: No, I'm talking about the metal cubes, the five, tens, uh, and 1s. Oh, okay. The big metal cubes. Yeah. And they're chipping. They're chipping in my copy, and they just don't look nice anymore. And I haven't owned my copy for a long time. I've played it a fair amount of times, but I haven't owned it for a long time. And I just don't normally see this much wear on my components. Hmm. Well,
1: plastic is cheaper than, than wood. But
0: yeah, like I'm not talking that, about why wood, not I'm use, talking about chipboard. Right, why not just use, use chipboard? chipboard. Uh, I would prefer to see chipboard. I would prefer to just see 1s, 5s, and 10s in chipboard.
1: Well, I guess little metal cubes are more... Marsy y terraforming sort of thematic or something. I don't know. No, I, I don't believe it. But <laughs> I, don't I, know know. That,
0: I know that in all of the press publications that they put about it, they think they do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And this is another one that I mean, everyone has talked about this one. For oh, yeah. terraforming Mars, you have your own player board that you use to track your production and the amount of various resources you have. And there's like eight resources in the game, so you have your metal your stone your plants your heat your energy things like that and you'll lay these boards on a track and you'll lay cubes in specific places to show that you have that resource and if you ever bump them then you have no way of figuring out all the other <laughs> yeah, stuff and not if but when not if but when have you how how often do you bump yours
1: oh you know it's happened to me it, and this isn't the only game like that i'll do that occasionally in a game and then it's suddenly it's, okay everybody pause wait a minute i gotta figure out where I was and you know you gotta stop and think about it and you never feel comfortable you got it right
0: Mm. and that i don't know i don't think i do it nearly as often for this game as i did others Mm -hmm. which is why i actually went out and bought a set of small dice and i use dice to track my stuff instead of cubes okay I i don't mess up the location of the dice but i did often bump the cubes and just even a little bit it's like wait was i on six or seven
1: yeah yep and and this you know you mentioned you got dice this can be fixed with the aftermarket products they sell overlays for the boards and, and fancy wooden
0: boards. You could buy all these things oh um, my i mean if I were buying stuff my my pick would actually be game trays, which is a plastic mm-hmm. uh a, a plastic fully molded insert type tray, which looks really nice,
1: yeah yeah now I saw that uh what is it? The Broken Token sells an insert that includes wooden tray overlaid looking things that also take everything. But, you know, it, it's annoying that you, you really need to go and do something to fix it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and I'm surprised that they haven't fixed it, because this isn't a brand new game. This has been out for a while now, is it? Like a year and a half at least?
0: I mean, I don't know what there is that they can do to fix it. They can't release the second edition. That would annoy too many people at this point.
1: They could re they could release an upgrade, just you know, a little package that just has the player tiles or something. I mean, they, they could do something. I mean,
0: at that point in time, they're competing with all the aftermarket products. That's true. I don't think they want to compete with all the aftermarket products. But
1: if they did make a second edition, it wouldn't break all the first editions. Right. And they could sell the second edition. I can imagine the outcry. Edition. Oh, every, people always get mad. It doesn't matter what you do. If you don't do anything about so it, they do get they mad. Why step
0: into it? Why step into it? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, because it is annoying as heck.
0: Because <laughs> it really is. It is, but at this one time, I think your decision just has to be, well, do you want to support that, or do you want to deal with it? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to get an aftermarket thing? My personal opinion was as I, d- I dealt with it and I fixed it with extra dice. Yeah. But I think that's just simply something that people need to be aware of when they're considering if they want to buy a game like this. Yeah. it doesn't
1: It doesn't make the game bad. It just makes it more fiddly to play. Potentially, right. Also, if, if you're a careful person, it's never going to be an issue.
0: <laughs> well, funnily enough, I'm actually more careful when I'm playing multiplayer than I am playing solo. Oh. This surprises me. When I was I was sitting here thinking about I was playing together my show notes for the game, and I thought to myself, I'm more off. I use dice now every time I play solo. I don't always use dice when I play multiplayer, but I'm I can't ever think of a time when I bumped the trays in multiplayer playing Terraforming Mars. I've done it so many times playing solo. But I can't think (laughs) I've ever done a multiplayer, and I don't know why not.
1: And I guess if you live in an earthquake-prone area, it's also an issue.
0: I have a feeling you have worse issues than that.
1: (laughs) You may not be able to finish the game.
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So anyway, that's all about the components. Mm -hmm. It's got some nice elements, but it's also got some elements that... uh, I probably would have won better. Yep. One thing
1: the the you mentioned the cards. There are a lot of cards in this too. How, do you know how many it is? I know it's a lot.
0: Oh, a lot. I don't know.
1: Yep, and they're all basically the same type of card. There's is it one deck. No, there's a couple different decks, right?
0: It I uh, there are quite there well are two now. decks. There's the one deck of the more basic ones, and then when you want to play with the full game, I'll say um, you can throw in the corporate error cards, which give you more variants and things that you can do.
1: Okay, but they're all basically the same type of card. When you play with them, they would all go into the same single deck.
0: They all go into the same deck, yes. Okay. But it's a it becomes a pretty big deck. Mm-hmm. Which is nice for replay value. It, right. So, But let's move on to gameplay, Albert. You cool with that? So in gameplay, we spoke about this a bit before. The idea on your turn is that you're going to have two actions mm-hmm. on your turn and you can do one of various things. In general, that is going to be play or activate yep, one that's of the cool. cards that you have on the table. These cards will be cards that you purchased in the, in the middle of rounds in between rounds. You'll be purchasing cards, keeping them either in draft or just from drawing them. And these cards will help you form your engines. They may do things like add extra oxygen by making an incubator or add extra heat by slamming an asteroid into it. And, They help you build an engine, help you continue to terraform, and so the most efficient actions that you'll get will be coming out of these cards. And in a game where it's all about a race to get the most extra points, you're trying to get the most efficient things that you can do possible. Now, there are some extra actions that you can take, standard actions to be able to... There are some standard actions that you can take to be able to do many of the things that normally you would need to. It's important that those that are there... Because since it's such a big card deck, you may need to take some of those standard actions if you just can't get the cards you're looking for. There are also the objectives and achievements. So these are special things at the bottom of the board that if you've achieved something, so you could go ahead and say, hey, I've done it. I've got a whole bunch of uh, event cards in play, or I've got a whole bunch of cities in play. And so I get a couple extra points by claiming those objectives. Or you can fund an achievement, in which case you say, I'm paying $15, $20 now to fund an award for whoever is the best banker. So whoever has the most money at the end of the game, I've now funded that they're going to get extra victory points. Hopefully you're spending your actions and money to fund something that you benefit from, but every once in a while not. That's the basic idea of the gameplay. One of the things that was interesting to me is that it's a multiplayer game with a lot of interaction so you really have to be keeping your head very much on a mm-hmm. swivel watching when's this person going to be approaching any any of the more efficient actions when do i need to cut them off when do i need to go ahead and grab this spot or that spot first so you very much have to keep your head on, on a swivel and see what all's going on which is something that i personally like i like that there's a lot of that interaction and it's Mostly not like take that interactions, it's just trying to build an engine that sinks well and sinks before another person. One thing that I did not like was when I was learning the game, I was getting a whole bunch of cards, and all these cards do interesting things, do efficient things. I was like, ooh, this card's cool, I can do that. This card's cool, I can do that. And I'll often be mm-hmm, ending yep. the game with a whole bunch of cards in hand. Well, the rules of the game is that if you're taking a card in your hand, you have to pay part of it already up front just to keep it in your hand. And if you then don't use it, you've wasted the money putting it in your hand. And because I was still learning about a lot of interactions, learning about all these cards, if I would see something interesting that maybe I could use, I would keep it. But I would be ending up wasting my resources by the end of the game,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: trying to do cool things. And... I guess learning the game was frustrating for me because of that because I always felt like it was wasting money. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Though I I, I like I like that mechanic where you have to buy the cards because you know you you buy a couple cards this round you say oh these are really good but the next round you get a couple other cards that show up that you say oh these are really good too and now now you're aware do I do I really want to spend the money for these cards are they really that awesome that I'm going to spend three money and accept that I, I threw away three a previous round or do I just Forget it. And I, I, I felt that game for me, for me, it gave tension.
0: Well, do you think the game would have had that same amount of tension if you got to keep all of your cards and everything would cost it three more?
1: No, because because I I knew I wanted to spend the money on other stuff too. I like that tension of having that choice.
0: My bigger concern would be that if you got to keep all your cards, everyone had too many options when it came around to the actions, the turn, and the game would slow down. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my concern. Yep. But I don't. I just don't like that tension because I end up making the wrong decision far too often, <laughs> I feel like. Well,
1: that's only your fault there.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. But I mean,
1: and I say, I only got to play this game once. But that time, you know, every time I drew cards, it's like, oh, this card is so awesome. I really want that. And I kept playing to play that card the whole game. And yeah, there's cards in the end of the game that I just never managed to play. Some of it was because I made bad choices. Some of it was because the game just never worked out the way I would hoped um, because of interactions or whatever. And so, so I think even though you you plan carefully, there there's still going to be some surprises in in what happens. So you kind of got to have, I think, a few extra cards. I
0: hear Does you. Does that sound right? I, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if mm-hmm. you necessarily need to. I have, as I've gotten better at the game, finished off most games with only one or two cards instead of like a pile.
1: Yeah, yeah. But... No, yeah. I would never think a pile like. I think in a good game, you should have just a couple cards left, but you should always have a little bit of a couple cards to play with, because you don't know, necessarily know exactly where you're going to end up going.
0: Out of Albert, there is a draft variant in the game, where instead of just taking a draw of four cards, you will draft four cards that you want around the table. Do you mm-hmm. play with that draft version, or no? <laughs> no, we we just played the draw four and, and buy them right out. We usually pay with the draft, and for me it feels like it's almost a necessary part of the game. There's such a big stack of cards, and to make really good interactions and synergistic engines, you'll want to be digging for certain cards. And by drafting them, you have more of an ability to hopefully see those cards that you want. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I, I always prefer to draft, and I, I've, you know, it feels like you need that to make a core part of the game.
1: And it really surprised
0: me that there's a circle indicator on the punch board that they could have used... When you're drafting, you switch back and forth about if you're doing left or right. And they could have used that token to indicate if you're going left or right. And it got left blank.
1: Ah, no way. I wonder if they just didn't use the draft themselves that much when they designed it. I don't know. Hmm, Yeah. I don't know. Speculation.
0: I mean, I suppose it makes more sense to say that the designers didn't think it was an actual part of the game because they listed it as a variant and neglected to think, hey, maybe we should actually use this spare spawn on the punch board for a token. So I'm guessing they don't agree with me that it's important? I don't know. Yeah, but,
1: but you think uh, Stronghold Games would have caught that huh. Right. <laughs> I would think so.
0: Anyway, I I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry, song Anyway,
1: I am glad the the option is there because like you said it it does make it a uh, makes it work better.
0: So just to summarize for me what I think about the gameplay. This is a tableau builder and an engine builder where you get a whole bunch of stuff in your engine, a whole bunch of cards on the table, and you're really building up how your corporate engine is going to work to terraform Mars. So as you're playing through the gameplay, you very much have a feeling of accomplishment. You're doing stuff. You're building an engine, you're terraforming Mars, you're scoring points. And all of that is a really solid gameplay dynamic that keeps pushing you towards that sense of accomplishment. And I really like that feeling that you get out of the gameplay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it, and I think it has a really nice Euro feel to it. It's it's very I don't like that Euroy abstracty sort of thingy.
0: So that's talking you know about the gameplay primarily from a multiplayer standpoint. Albert, let's talk about it from a solo standpoint.
1: Okay. I never got to play
0: solo because I don't have this game. So the way it works for solo is that you have 14 generations to terraform Mars. Uh, you'll be going around. So that's 14 rounds. And you have, like we were talking about before, you have an unlimited number of actions every round. You keep going until you want to collect income. Whenever you collect income, so you advance the track one more. Uh, and keep going until you manage to terraform Mars. And hope you well, do. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> not. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they maybe should have taken a page out of like Energy Empire. That in Energy Empire, there's those goals that come out that you have to do it this way. You have to change up things. You have to keep... You know, changing your strategy, changing your tactics. When you're playing with multiplayer, so there's a whole board, there's a whole bunch of other people outside of yourself forcing you to change how you're doing things. With this one, you could theoretically play the exact same strategy the exact same way every single time. There's there's nothing pushing you to do so, other than just your own challenges and your own decisions. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it, – it, you feel like you're lacking intention, it sounds like.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me really to to grasp what I feel was missing about that. It's not that I, it's missing challenge because it's hard to do it. And it's not that it's missing variability because you can pick different ways. I just want something else outside of me to pl- – to to play against i you know an automa for example that's another set of a randomized factor of conditions that i have to react to that i have to play around there's nothing here forcing me to play around anything because you know i mean other than the fact that you only have you know x number of cards and hopefully you got what you want but already from the first couple of cards, you're like, I'm going down this engine. This is my engine. If you don't get the right cards, then it's not about that you don't have you have to you have to change tactics. You're now going for a suboptimal set of cards and you're stuck.
1: mm mm-hmm. Now could it be that if you did change tactics you might you might find a different tactic that'll get you a higher score so you're you're looking for that optimal tactic? No way to know. I mean that's That's the issue I had with a game like uh, Oral Borough by Uwe Rosenberg, where it it was a perfect information game and the setup was exactly the same every time. So if if I play the game twice and take all the same exact actions each time, I'm going to have the exact same end result in the game. Um, There's absolutely no randomness in it. And for me, that didn't work because, I I don't know, I just didn't find that exciting, but I I could see where the excitement would be. in there's that, okay, you play it once and you get some score... Now the strategy is how can I tweak my game to get a better score, and how can I keep tweaking it to get better? You know, what's how do I find that optimal path? And maybe, maybe that if you're going with that mindset, it works better. If if you even enjoy that style of the game, I mean, it isn't exactly the same because this does have randomness, absolutely, right? You're shuffling the deck.
0: Yeah, but very limited amount of randomness. You get a whole bunch of mm-hmm. cards in your first draw. There are ways of continuing to get cards. You do get a fair number of cards over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. And-, and even
1: though the, the that's a huge deck, there are some cards that appear a few times each. So so your likelihood of get, seeing certain cards is kind of high. Right.
0: And especially since there's going to be cards that you want to dig that interact well with your corporation, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, I I just, I mean, what I really wish is that there was more of a vari- more of a variable setup. I think the way you talked about it with Or of the Borough is good. I wish there was more of a variable setup. Okay. That's kind of what I wish.
1: Now, can you, there's uh, expansions for this, and there are different boards, and that sort of thing. Can you
0: play solo with those? Yeah, it's the same as the other ones. Okay. But I don't think that's what I'm talking about, the variable setup. Because, again, that just splits it up into, I almost feel like that's different games. That's not something...
1: Yeah. It, you can't really compare the two, then. It's not something, it's it not sounds... something
0: that you interact with outside yourself.
1: Okay. And does it ha- is it strictly, you know, Terraform margin you win, or, or are you still going for points?
0: Yeah, after... Hmm. Gener- I mean, if you're playing solo after Generation 14, you do score points as, as possible, but you have to have completed Terraforming before you did that, and then it's it's a point race. But... Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you could play that where where you your goal is to get the
1: best score possible, right? And so you want to keep adjusting your game for that. I you know again for me that's not the my my favorite way to play solo. My favorite way is I don't care so much about trying to beat other games. I just like playing and feel the tension of am I going to win or not? Mm -hmm. And if I if I win, and then it's a tension of did I beat my last high score? I don't care that much so much for that part. Sometimes I'll enjoy a game like that anyway just because I enjoy the process of playing it and in those cases I tend to not even care what the score is. I'll say, oh, I scored 70 points, that's great. You know, i put it away next time I play. Hey, I scored 65, that's great. I don't compare them. I'll just, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. Yep. All right, Albert, how about some final thoughts? Lay it on me. I like I said, I didn't play a lot,
1: so I don't have a lot of final thoughts. But when I played it, I really enjoyed it. I like the mechanics of it. I like the, the all the math and the science behind it, and you know the the trying to optimize it and build that engine thing and and whatnot. That I, yeah, I engine really to be, thing to be a really That engine thing, yeah. You're trying to build an engine. There's different engines you could build. There's definitely more than one path to victory. And again, I only played it multiplayer, but in that there's different ways to win and different ways to score points. And, you know, it it was fun trying to get my engine going and and struggling trying to pick the right cards and then wanting to change engines mid-game, which is probably always a bad idea. But, yeah, it's a fun game. I really enjoy it. And there's so many things you could do each round and so many, I think, so many ways to do it.
0: Something to note, by the way, this is a very popular game, I feel. And we do tend to talk more about the, the, the less super popular games. Um, kind of because that's what I feel like bringing out more often, but we do also talk about these ones, the, the very popular games for me, in multiplayer I, I really echo a lot of what Albert did what Albert talked about as well there's a lot in, in the game that's a lot of fun playing through figuring out how to, to mess with this and turn on that I'll, that's all really good that all has a really nice sensation to it the, you get a a just palpable sense of accomplishment at the end of the game that you terraform Mars, you built your engine, you really did things. And all that feels really good and ties in with an actual sense of timing during the game that, that you're snatching an extra point from another player. You're interacting well with something they just did. All that feels really good. But I think, I think I said it also in solo as much as I can, if there's just not enough interactivity with the game that I feel like the experience was really honed for solitaire play. That I would like there to be something like, it doesn't even have to be an automata, almost just something like something to react to. You know, like a crisis on there even would be fine, or a new goal, or something knocking you down from Terraform Mars, or random stuff coming out, or, or just an Automa. Something else to interact with, something else to play off of over the course of the game that's not completely just keep pushing your engine, keep pushing it harder. So it just doesn't, it doesn't excite me. It doesn't make me want to go out and play it solo. Whereas I, I continue to like pulling it out in multiplayer.
1: You, you we were talking earlier, you mentioned that, that it kind of felt like it, it's, it's useful to learn the game and how to play it more than as a, yeah. as an activity on its own. Um, does that feel like cheating to you? Like if if you're playing a game solo to get better at the multiplayer game? No. Okay. No. Sometimes I feel like I'm cheating if I do that. Though that will be because then the the people I play with won't play the game much, and so I'll beat every time, you know, if if I do that. And that ends
0: up being less fun for everybody else. I am never considered it cheating.
1: Okay. I was just curious. I've had other games where where I've played the solo game, and yet yeah, it just felt, you know, it's just a learning experience. There's, and some games will say that this is a great way to learn the multiplayer game. But it isn't much else other than that. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that's a letdown when it says it's for one to four players, and the one-player game is just a learning mode.
0: Yeah. Like I said,
1: I don't, I don't have experience with this one solo.
0: So I think that's that. That's about all we have to say about Terraforming Mars.
1: That's it. Nothing else. The, there's expansions for it. There's a game. And there's aftermarket stuff you could buy. There's all sorts of promo cards you could go collect if you like those things. That's it. Anything else, Julius? Is that a wrap? Sure sounds like it to me, Albert. Speaking of wraps, it is taco month also. So make sure you need your taco day average. It doesn't have to be exactly one taco each day. Try and get 31 tacos in for the month, though. <laughs> it's taco de mayo (laughs) don't believe me go over in bgg and look for the geekless taco de mayo that's it it's out there this is my I think in my fourth no this is my how many years have I been doing this I think six so yeah got it Albert it's a thing (laughs) okay alright everybody uh, talk to you next time thanks for listening see you around bye au revoir
0: Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JL Bird on BGG, and Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number 1, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Jamendo.com. The transition music is copied by Dan Elduche-Pancaldi, whose page is at donpancaldi.com. The one-player podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.